This is Super Yacht Radio. Welcome to Super Yacht Radio. Um, I am delighted today to bring you a, another session with the wonderful team from Evolution Yacht Agents. And today we are going to be talking with Jordi Nicolau and Joe Davison, who are in the concierge section of Evolution Yachts. And we're going to be talking about cruising. I, I have to say I lived in Mallorca for five years as an island. There was so much to discover. I, I've discovered actually there's 256 beaches in Mallorca alone. And I know I probably only hit a dozen of those. But I'm very excited to dig in with uh, Joe and Jordi and discover a lot more about cruising around the Balearics and Spain and how they can make the whole thing easier. So, Jordi, starting with you, because that's what I know a little bit more about. I know as much of the differences between Menorca and Mallorca. You know, we think the Balearic Islands and people actually do think they're quite similar. And then I went to Menorca and I went, oh my goodness, totally different kind of island, you know, almost uh, where there's trees and mountains in Mallorca, there's hills and bushes and sweet little hamlets in Menorca. And that's just my first little taste of what you guys know all about. So you are definitely the, the professional on cruising on the Balearic side. First of all, hi, Maeve. And yeah, well, as you told, the Balearic Islands are completely different one from each other. I mean, there's, Ibiza is one completely different world, Mallorca and then Menorca. And, and yes, well, Menorca is really is more calm, really relaxed island. And well, all of them, but the, what they have in common is that all of them uh, have really nice anchorage spots. The water is amazing and for sure really nice destination for, for yachting. So um, having done a, a kind of one side of Mallorca, I, I mean, I think anyone who's been to the island, you know, the, the difference of actually cruising around the outside of the island, you really begin to see it in a whole different light. When, you know, people come to you and they're like, you know, we'd really like to explore the Balearics. Um, how do you kind of lay out what they should see and, and how they do it? Is it kind of a, do you have a guide that you have most people? Do you kind of discover what is it they're most interested in doing? How do you kind of guide them on the best places to go? Well, I think that from our side, first of all, is uh, knowing the interest of the uh, of the guests because every boat is is completely different one from each other. So, based on the guest preferences, then we can recommend one place or, or another. For example, for a for a family, you know, family of four just looking for relax, we may recommend Menorca for sure and the north and west coast of of Mallorca, Oletra area, which is stunning. And then if they're looking for, if they're just young people looking for party, then Ibiza is the place Ibiza. to go. <laughs> I am so, of yeah, the generation, I remember Ibiza uncovered and I didn't get there, but it certainly has the reputation of a party island. But I know from friends of mine who are sailors, there is definitely the, the party island side, but 
there's quite a few hidden gems as well as Formentera, which is kind of forgotten about really as the extra tiny island of the Balearics. Would I be right? Yeah, yeah, completely. Completely. In fact, most of the of the boats staying in, in Ibiza, Formentera, normally they go for a day to, to, Angor, to Angor to Formentera. And then, or they may, they may stay in there if, if they just want to relax, stay on board. And if not, just coming coming into port or, or well also. It's not as much as Mallorca because it's way bigger than, than Ibiza or, or Menorca, but it also has lots of hidden gems, as you, as you told, uh, lots of fillets to, to anchor completely. And, and how does Menorca then fit in? Because it's... Palma has and Mallorca has, you know, the the very vibrant Palma city. You have all the restaurants, and you know, then you have the contrast of Sawyer and Puyensa, and you know, the different destinations. Menorca is a much smaller, quieter island. Is it? How does that fit in with itineraries, or where would you guide them on the appeal of Menorca? The attraction of Menorca is just the, that how calm the island is. So there are a lot of well in the in the north part of, of the island, lots of villas, lots of really calm beaches where they can where they can anchor and just stay over there relaxing and enjoying the the views for sure. And also then you have the, the attraction of the two main cities in in Menorca. Are uh, Maon, the the capital of mm-hmm. of the island, and then Ciutadella, which is also very known because of their. And then about about Ciutadella is also really known because of the of the main party in the in the island, which is uh, San Juan is a a very well known party uh, around all Spain, and it's based on a medieval tradition. It's like a part of Catholic party, and they they also well the main attraction are the the Menorca horses, and it is it is quite worth to to see. I well I've I've got to jump in because in my very first summer in Mallorca I discovered San Juan because it coincides with my birthday, which was perfect timing because it has got I mean. I, I don't know about all of the Balearics. I presume they share a lot of the festivities, but San Juan, it was just such a fabulous time to have a birthday because everyone goes to the beaches and you have the little candles going out. And if you can coincide your birthday with it, it is such fun because there's such a kind of buzz around it as well. And does that come into it as well when people are looking at destinations um, and they coincide because there's some great festivities in the Balearics. Um, do you kind of recommend of, oh, look, if you're coming at this time, this is this is what's happening. So it's worth trying to get to, you know, Palma at Easter time or does do you try and fit in those things as well? In Balearics, it doesn't happen that much it's because it's mostly in Menorca, Ciudadella, which is the, the big, big party. But then it happens in, for example, in, in Seville. I think we will speak later about that, but it happens a lot in, in Seville, uh, mostly for the, um, for the feria, which is in, in May, and also for, for the Holy Week. These are really, two really big, big, big events in, 
in the city and it is quite difficult to get a birth in, in the city on, on that date. So but, not, not that, but it doesn't happen that much in, in Balearic as it happens, for example, in, in Sevilla. Okay. So moving to you, Joe, because it's kind of Spanish mainland is, is your expertise. What a lovely way to, <laughs> to do it. But I mean, people think, first of all, they, they kind of focus first on Barcelona because it's probably one of the biggest Spanish port cities. Am I right? I haven't gone down the, the coast as much as I would have liked to. Um, yeah, so so a lot of um, vessels come to Barcelona, obviously for um, the the Gaudi um, and the nightlife. Um, so it does. It's a it's a city that offers like so much um, and can cover so many different guests and and itineraries and and what people want to do. Um, but what we find is that a lot of people don't actually realise what the north of Barcelona can offer um, and that being up in the Costa Brava. Um, there's a lot of thing, a lot of places up there that you can do with, uh, for thrill seekers, you have like um, Emporio Brava, which has a huge wind tunnel. Um, you've got uh, just off of SRT and uh, the Midas Islands, which is a fantastic scuba diving destination um, for the Mediterranean, it's, it's incredible. I mean, there, there's um, it's a series of uh, five islands and it's a, all marine protected. So you have schools of barracuda, there's huge groupers, there's eagle rays. It's just uh, phenomenal. And um, clear but then you water. also have as you carry on. <laughs> well, I was just, yeah, yeah, clear, clear water because one of the things I, I noticed in the south of France, I, I love diving, but, you know, that part of the Mediterranean isn't actually the most amazing diving areas because the water isn't doesn't have the clarity of other places. So as a diver, it's not just the, the life you see, but actually how clearly you can see. Yeah, I mean, um, the because the Midas Islands themselves are quite controlled by the, the Parc Natural, um, the, vis- the visibility tends to be about 30 metres. Um, you can be on the surface and you can see the bottom. Uh, it's, it's incredible. I mean, you do have those days where you have the tramontanas, where you get the north wind and it's a bit murky. Um, but generally on the whole, it's it's a fantastic sight. Um, even in the winter, it's a, it's a great place to go. And then as I said, as you sort of head up towards the more northern coast, there's some fantastic um, anchorages that are really private. Um, one of my favourite is uh, Cap de Creus, and it's got beautiful uh, rock formations and it's just it's a lovely spot just to chill and, and relax and have that um, you know, seclusion uh, away from other people. Uh, and that sort of natural beauty. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and you have a lot of um, Dali. Uh, so you have Dali's house up there. Uh, again, there's there's vineyards, which are beautiful to go and see and try the wines. And it just has so much to, to offer. And they're all kind of easily accessible if you're going up, you know, by boat along the coast. You can stop yeah. off at these places and it's not that far to travel their day trips 
yes, yeah. The the destinations there's there's ports and there's anchorages, um, and you can stop in its day trips. And the permissions are really easy to get as well, which is a main uh, the main thing. Obviously, when you're going, you don't want to be spending ages trying to get permission, which is fantastic. And it ties in quite well with um, Port Vendres, which is just over the French border. Um, and it's not far from Perpignan Airport, so it's quite nice if you if you are doing charter, you can pick them up either in France and come down, or you can go on up and and drop off in in France, um, which which is quite nice. And, and kind of think of both of the you know French and Spanish experience in the same trip, which would appeal, I'd, I'd imagine, to a number of guests. Yes, it's it's quite nice. We find that if you're picking up in France as well, you can come down into Spain, um, and you don't necessarily have to, um, you know, come come right over. You can just stop and have that Spanish experience uh, for a couple of days, and then head back into France, um, which is, you know, it's quite nice. And um, yeah. And then if, if moving like south from Barcelona, because not that I've unfortunately got to cruise along the coast, but it strikes me as, as you kind of look down, it becomes a lot more built up. I mean, the kind of more wild natural beauty would be the coastline north. But as you go Barcelona south, well, you kind of, as we were mentioning before we began, you stop in Tarragona and then, but then as you get down the coast, it does become much more the tourist destinations, but you probably know a few quieter stop-offs along the way. Yeah, so as you come down from uh, Barcelona, as I said, Tarragona is, um, is, is a great spot. Uh, a lot of people overlook it because they think it's quite um, commercial. Uh, but actually, you can anchor just off of the beach and you can tender in, which is quite nice if you don't want to go into port. Um, and in the city itself, I mean, you have the... The Roman aspect, you have the amphitheatre, um, there's beautiful, the old town, the you know, the narrow streets and lovely tapas bars. Um, and then for the, the, the golfers, there's some would, amazing golf courses. I was going to say, I know they have a great golf course too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think there's a, you know, within 20 minutes from the city, there's about four or five different courses that you can choose from, uh, which is fantastic. And you have, of course, uh, Port Ventura, which is quite a famous uh, theme park which um, is great it's for, for thrill seekers. It's got some amazing rides and you have Ferrari land there as well. Um, but Ferrari land? Like, really? Yeah. Like you yes. get to drive a Ferrari around the course? Uh, no, no, it's, uh, there's a, it's a roller coaster. Um, oh, okay. It's <laughs> okay, I um, prefer the Ferrari than the roller coaster, but that's just my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you. Uh, it's it's uh, Red Force One. It's called, and it takes you up as if you were um, uh, experiencing driving a, an ex- accelerating a, in a Ferrari. Um, and it's yeah, it's it's incredible. <laughs> um, which is so great you know, if for people with kids or kind of the younger want to have a lot of fun and pack in a lot of action into our you know couple days charter. Yes. Yeah, um, I said even even for younger children, um, they have Sesame Land, uh, which is catered to you know like 
one as early as one-year-olds basically um which is really nice so it's a nice like one or two day stopover as you're heading south down the coast um and then after tarragona it's um i guess valencia um and then you you come on to seville and i think that's more sort of geordie's area um on that side of things but um but yeah it's definitely it's not just barcelona um you know there are there are a lot more places to to see and and to do on on the mainland coast so so uh, Jordi, back to you i mean moving now that we've kind of moved down the coast nicely with joe i i actually have had the pleasure of being in seville which was an absolutely amazing city you know it what I found particularly wonderful about Spanish cities, because they are so very, very different, even though they have the deep, rich history and culture. And um, but, you know, each city is um, Barcelona and Seville. Are, you wouldn't think they're the same country in some ways, and yet they still have the same kind of vibrancy. And uh, Seville then, of course, is just next door to Portugal which, you know, is very close for people who want to just really kind of stretch out a little bit more and catch in another um, country. But Seville as a, as a tourist destination, is it more for an older generation? My biggest memory, if I have to be honest, of Seville was actually the cathedral. It was phenomenally huge and very, very rich and dense with jewels and history and and everything in it but i also went as an adult with children so i think i probably have a different kind of perspective of it well i mean i think seville is the same as as barcelona or madrid or any big city in, in spain i think these are cities for for everybody it is true that it is a, a city really rich in in culture and there is a lot of, well, it is a really Catholic city. As I, as I told you, the, the, main, the main event in, in the city is a, is a Holy Week. I don't know if there's like more than 100 different churches in, in the city, so quite, quite a lot. But I think, that, yeah, but in Seville, you can also find lots of nightlife in the, in the old town, lots of, lots of bars with, that you will always find crowded well now with all the situation not that much but <laughs> but but yeah yeah i mean there's also a lot of nightlife really really good restaurants and i mean i think that say seville is a is a place to go 100 sure if you are doing an itinerary around the um, around the south coast of spain and presumably you know equal to barcelona it has a big marina or marinas for um or how is that bit i didn't get that far that part i think it is it is a i think it's the most special port in in spain because in fact it is um it is on a river you have to sail up the wild kibir river for five hours before getting into into seville so mm. you need to go through the lock and then also pass two different bridges to get into the into the into the berth. It is so I mean it's Las Delicias dock, the one for, for yachts, and it's just in the middle of the city. So it's just walking like ten minutes from the from Plaza de España. 
is which one of the main attractions also of, of the city. And yes, there's no big marina, so that's why also it's really difficult to get a berth depending on the on the time of the year. Because it's just for like, I don't know, three, four yachts, depending on the on the length. No, no more. Okay. So so it's really one you'd the, want to plan in advance because exactly, presumably exactly. the space is quite limited and booked up quickly. Exactly. Yeah. But you kind of get that extra bit then of actually traveling from sea inland and straight into the heart of the city, which has got to be a pretty cool experience. Completely, completely, completely. Yeah, I mean, it's a five-hour a five hour sail uh, going, up the, going up the river. And then you have really, really, really good views of... Because just next to, next to the Guadalquivir entry, just when, when you start sailing up the river, is the... Um, Doñana National Park. So it's, I don't know how to say it in, in English. Now it's Marismas, Marshes or Marshland. Oh, that Marshland. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, okay. So, so very unique ecology and fauna because uh, knowing from the marsh, other marshlands, it, it, they tend to be quite uh, protected and have a very unique yeah. ecosystem, which sometimes you can only find in that marshland. You know, exactly. they're quite exceptional ecological areas. Yeah, in fact, it's a, it's a national park and just sailing up the river, I think that you, until you arrive to, to the lock to enter, to enter Seville, you can find two, three small villages, no, no more. So it's very natural. So okay. also the landscape is worth, it's worth the, the five hour sale. But I'm imagining maybe as well, is it slightly size dependent as well? There's only, not every super yacht will be able to get up there. There's a limitation well, in the size or is there? No, no because uh, well, in fact, there are many many cargo vessels uh, going up. There's also a commercial port in Seville. So the, le- the length limitation, I think it's up to 200 meters. So Okay, really? No so, big limitation? Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, no big limitation. <laughs> the, the only limitation is uh, the air draft. So it is a limitation for some sailing yachts because I think the maximum permitted air draft is 42 meters. So for sailing yachts, it is a, it is a limitation, but not for not really for for motor yachts. We have we have had some really big boats over there. So not really for not really a limitation for motor yachts, but yes for for sailing yachts. Okay, for for captains looking at cruising around Spain, I actually was just chatting with a charter captain and he they're mainly based in the Caribbean and Central America but he loves to be really really active and you know like you guys tries to kind of get an idea of what his guests like to do before they come on but you know he's like sometimes you have guests who say they don't really want to do anything and all of a sudden they get on the boat and you they can see where they are and they're like oh actually we would like to do things so when you're working with 
captains and, and yachts. Do you, how does that procedure work? Do you kind of sit down with the captain and you look at the guests and you're like, well, here's an itinerary, but we might need to be flexible or, I mean, there's some things obviously that you probably need to have booked and put in place in advance and you can't be spontaneous. So what's that procedure like with Evo? If I hand it to either of you. Well, from from our side, uh, the first thing is, as, as you said, know the guest preferences. Then from there, we can start working. Uh, it is very different if they they are interested in, in culture. If they if there are kids on board, also just to, to organize activities for for them. So the main part is to know what the guest preferences are. Then start planning for them or for different activities, uh, different different tours, and then of course be flexible. Have plan A, B, C, D, E, because we know that. There are lots of changes on board, and well, we need to be ready for that also. But this is something that it comes while the while the charter, well, not, not the charter, while the while the guest trip is, is advancing. So, because there are there are guests that they are they just want to stay relaxed on board, but there are guests that are really really active. They don't stop, and they also change their mind a lot. So we need to be ready for for changes. And then, of course, there's the weather factor, too, because sometimes, although the Mediterranean, you know, is a pretty sure bet, I say this coming from Ireland, is a pretty good bet for good weather in, in the summer season, you still can have those, you know, random days that it it's pouring rain or it's, you know, turbulent and particularly if you're looking at out of season times. So I guess those are also the times that you've got to be able to come up with your plan B, C, D, <laughs> keep on going. Exactly. Exactly. No, no, well, I, I was going, uh, to be honest with you, I didn't know what I was going to say. <laughs> for, for you guys, if, if someone was to gift you a, a charter tour that you could take anywhere around the Balearics or the coast of Spain. Jordi, what would be what would be your ideal cruise if you could pick somewhere to go? Even if it's somewhere you've been before that you would go back to or where would you choose? My ideal cruise would be I will, I, I love the sea. So I think that I would stay on board like ninety nine percent of the of the time <laughs> of the, the charter. So hundred percent Balearic Islands. And then go to go to Costa Brava, maybe just to be at anchor, just enjoy water sports, scuba diving. From my opinion, that would be the perfect charter. Just to be at anchor in surrounded by the places. sea. Yeah, exactly. And Joe, for you, what would be your ideal cruise? Um, but, oh, Since you've planned so many, I mean, you two <laughs> plan so many for other people, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, it would probably be start off in the Costa Brava. Um, you know, the the, the village of Collier is, is beautiful and there's some really nice, um, I love oysters and there's a really nice um, oyster bar there, um, which you can go to sort of to start off. Um, and then, yeah, move my way down. Um, stopping in a few anchorages. Obviously, the Midas Islands for me is a is a must for a, a dive trip. And then probably 
one or two days in Barcelona just for uh, some food because I, I again I lo- love my food <laughs> and there's a fantastic uh, selection in Barcelona it really is you know smorgasbord of foods and experiences absolutely there's there's just so much to choose from even you know being in Spain I've hardly scratched the surface on what what it can offer um and then i'd probably then move over then to the balearics and maybe have a a nice in ibiza (laughs) (laughs) partying just to let the hair down and and then just soak in some time just as i said at anchor and on beaches and just where it's just secluded and away from people and just me so that's yeah menorca probably to to finish off and that's the other very cool things about having your own cruise is that you can find some of those little hideaways that, you know, really you can't access very easily from the shoreline that you can have, find those little inlets. That's your own private beach, which would be just lovely. <laughs> so um, it makes complete sense to me anyway, but for for those like looking at cruising, what's the difference of having a yacht agency involved in helping you? It uh, it sounds actually, as I'm saying, an obvious question, but the difference of having a yacht agency helping you sort out the whole itinerary versus trying to do it alone. Um, I think I think for me is. Uh, personally is having a yacht agent that's there 24 um, 7 which we are you know we especially in the summer we, we're on our phones and we're on standby and just being able to have those options and to have that local knowledge of of the area and to have the connections with um, you know local businesses and, and restaurants to have the ease of actually planning the the charter and 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 the cruising um as i said for me that's that's probably the the main aspect of it um and just having that help that when it does tip down with rain and it's unexpected to be able to just call someone and say i i need this or i need that i need plan bc and everything it's uh yeah for me that that's what i think having an agent I definitely hands up upon an agent listening to the two of you, but I'm also thinking things, you know, that there's booking things. It's a really small thing, but last year I was trying to book an aqua park for my daughter and I was so pleased I'd got tickets, but what I hadn't noticed is that whatever aqua land, there's three of them in Spain, as it turns out. And I had booked the one down on, Casta Brava, not realizing that there was three of them in Spain. I mean, that that's a little bit obvious, but I'm also thinking for booking certain things or certainly restaurants, having those connections, knowing, you know, the places to go and who to contact because you've been doing this has got to be, particularly when people are on a very short seven-day break I, I was saying this of, you know, when American tourists come to Ireland, they look at Ireland and they go, oh, small little island. We'll do the whole island in a week, you know, because they want to do the whole thing. Where actually Ireland, what they don't realize is, yeah, you can. But if you're really going to do the outside of it, you haven't taken into account the higgledy-piggledy little roads and the fact that, you know, when you're going from one side of Kerry to the other, you're going to be meeting a lot of sheep on those roads. So it might look like it's a two hour trip. But if you've done it enough times, actually, it's more like a four hour trip. Um, That 
for me is where local knowledge really makes a difference because that week that they've booked is really precious time that they're going to try and make the most of. I, I don't know if there's a cultural difference in, in charter guests, whether you know Americans want to explore more than their European neighbors, but... <laughs> well, I think that... Well, I haven't found any, any difference from my side, depending on, on nationalities. It's mostly based on, on age of the, of the guests. So... Normally, um, for for other guests, they may just want to go ashore to have dinner and maybe do a, a tour around. I don't know. For example, if they're staying in in Mallorca, just to do a walking tour around around Palma, and uh, and they are way more more calm than if, in case of younger people, they they may want to to do lots of um, water sports or well also go partying, so bigger reservation on on discos and clubs. So I think the main difference is just based on on ages more than in nationalities, I think from from mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, and people with kids are going to have very different yeah. requirement to exactly. the young 20-somethings that, you know, want to party and have fun. Exactly. Very different makeup between the two. Uh, the other uh, big reason I would think is particularly in the past year, uh, it's got a lot more complicated to travel or get anywhere or do anything or a completely changing landscape. You know, every time I, I try and book a ticket or something, I'm double checking what the requirements are because it has changed even within Europe. And you guys are looking at guests coming from all around the world. So, Jordi, from that side of it, what has particularly changed or what do people really have to think about um, at the moment when they're kind of planning their trip? Well, they have to be really up to date uh, on, the, on the restrictions, as you, as you said, because they are changing by the hour. I mean, it's, it's been crazy over the, last, over the last year. Now, finally, we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel with all the, with all the vaccinations. And now people is more free to travel, but mostly just to be aware of the regulation of, of the country. And that is a big part of our job as well, just to inform the, mostly the, the captains or the crew on board about what the restrictions are in terms of, of traveling and if the guests or, and also the crew, we've been helping lots of crew to be able to, to move because as a seafarers, they are, they are essential workers and, during the hard uh, part of the pandemic, it was also challenging in the very beginning just to be able to have the crew members flying in and out, be able to return home or or join the vessel to just just for work. But yeah, more, I think it's really important to be aware of what is going on because it's mm-hmm. changing by the minute. And also in, in Spain, because we have different restrictions in Balearics than in than for example in, in Catalonia it's there is different different restrictions in every in every region basically. So I think it is really important to keep in mind it's very important to to keep in mind the the restrictions that the traveling restrictions that the guests may find. So depending on the nationalities. 
without going through an exhaustive list, but we're now kind of at the start of July, you know, there's two kind of months ahead of us for those planning to come into Spain. I mean, Spain has actually been doing really well this time around or 2021, where the start of 2020 was very tough. But and I know this will probably change within the next month, but for this kind of broadcast at the moment, um, people coming into Europe, are there any countries in particular that the rules are going to be slightly different? Because it seems fairly standardized, certainly coming from Ireland into the Balearics, that you either need a PCR test or an antigen test or proof of double vaccination. But even proof of double vaccination often will still require that you have a COVID test before travel. How is it looking? Uh, well, uh, don't for entry into Spain, the Spanish government is updating. There is a, a list of uh, risk countries from, from those that if you come from there, you need to carry well a PCR, PCR test, uh, an antigen test, or well uh, a vaccination certificate. And there are also some countries that mostly European countries that you don't need to carry anything to be able to, to enter. Those not considered, considered as, as risk countries. There is a really big difference between European countries and, and non-European. For those coming from non-European countries, excepting now for South Africa, uh, India and Brazil, yeah, from anywhere else and any other nationality can come as long as, as they are vaccinated. They, have, they are fully vaccinated, so one or two doses depending on the, on the vaccine. Only on vaccines approved by the, by the EMA or by the, by the World Health Organization. Okay, so that and would be then, including the States, Australia. I presume the South Africa that would be restrictions for a lot of Africa? And well, in the case of South Africa, there was that, it was like, I don't know, like three variant. months ago. Yeah. That, yeah, that there was that variant. And Spain just put, in fact, quarantine for people coming from there. But then just moved them. And now at the moment, uh, only Spanish national residents and also essential workers can come from, from South Africa into Spain. So no people, even vaccinated or not, can come uh, for non-essential purposes. So no so South African nationals cannot come for tourism into, into Spain at the moment. So tough on South African countries. crew in particular, I'd imagine. Yeah, well, well with, the, with the proper paperwork, proving that they are seafarers, we've been able to help, I, I'd say hundreds of South African crew members coming coming in over the last over the last six months. Well over the last year and a, and a half almost but yeah. And then there is also for non-European countries, there is also a list of that I think at the moment is of 15 countries from where they can come even if they are not being vaccinated. That includes at the moment Australia, New Zealand, the States, Japan, also China and few more I cannot remember now, they can come, um, if they are coming straight, they can come even without the PCR or, uh, or a COVID or, or any COVID test. But we always recommend that they carry with them a, a test just in case in any transit country they may be asked for. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, at the moment, as long as you are vaccinated, it's 
it's easy to to come into Spain. Not it's not that the big issue that it was last year. And for us, it's really great, really good news because this year I I think that we'll have a, a real season again after after last year. Joe, I'm looking at the the season ahead. We were chatting a little bit before we came on air because certainly my feedback from talking with people is. There was a season, but it was a lot shorter last year. Sort of depended. It seemed to depend where in the med you were on how good that season was. Where this year, it seems to be kind of a a catch up of people who either postponed their charters or cancelled, but then rebooked. It. What's the season looking like this year then? Um, I mean, for me personally, I think, you know, we're going to have a pretty good season. I think it will be similar to last year where we ex- it extends into mid-September more. Um, and I think that's partly because, as I said, countries are opening up. Obviously, they want the tourism, the you know, for the economy growth and, and things like that. But also um, people's perspective. I mean, there's a lot more va- people vaccinated now that people are actually feeling comfortable again to travel mm-hmm. um, and, and want to travel. And I think that's that's the big difference that we'll see this year to, to last year is that people will want to travel. And if they have to do extra testing or, you know, if they have to do sort of maybe you know stay on on one area and not be able to go quite full experience that they want i think they'll be more accepting of that because they want to travel um and and they want to um to to cruise and and to have that experience uh which i think i said is is going to be completely different to last year and on top of the fact most countries at some stage also had lockdown in the past since the last season and all of us who have experienced lockdown the thought of getting out i mean i've said this a number of times but the thought of being on on a boat surrounded by ocean and it just has got to be i mean we've seen this huge growth in the broker side of of yachting i i'm presuming that the charter side of yachting is going to be following right behind because you've Lock down a large portion of the population. Everyone wants to kind of get out. I quote my nine-year-old, who's like, "Can we just go somewhere? I don't care where we go. Can we just go somewhere? You know." And I think there is a universal feeling of oh, we've spent so long at home, whatever age bracket or you know social bracket you are, whether you're an ultra high net worth or just an average person, we've all been locked in. So that desire to get out and explore and just experience something outside of our own four walls, however big they are, I think has been something of a universal experience as well. Absolutely. And um, as well, the, 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 the other main difference with this year to last year is like places are, are more open you know there's a lot more tourist attractions open restaurants are open the, the actual local restrictions themselves are a lot less so you you can do more obviously you have the option that you can stay on fish or you you know you you can go ashore and it's it's a lot easier um this year so i think that that will make a big difference overall yeah yeah, and any particular sides of the med that you are seeing? I mean, 
is the growth in Spain good or is, I mean, last year you've been saying Croatia was very popular. The south of France has sort of been one of the typical destinations, but they've had kind of a tough year. Are you seeing in people's itineraries for the longer charters differences or is it kind of similar to what you would expect in a busy season? Um, for me, I, I, a lot of people I found are heading to Greece. That seems quite a popular area. But also it has been uh, vessels that maybe would normally go further afield are staying local in the staying in the Med um, and as, around the Balearics uh, side of things. So, yeah, I think Spain is definitely a, a place to visit. And yeah, it's more vessels that would normally go to like Sardinia and places like that. They're finding that they've gone there and then it's not been quite what they expected and they're, they're coming back. So it's, it's, very, it's very difficult because each country is different and each country has their own rules um, and relations. Um, so for us, obviously, we speak, about, we speak of Spain, but overall, as I said, it's, it's very hard to sort of distinguish of what's popular and what's not. So, but I think overall, every, everywhere in the Med is going to be busy. Um, yeah. which, which is good. And it's what you said, Jordi, of, you know, being in Parma, it already has been a really busy month or two for you, hasn't it? Yes, it, it has. It has been. It has been. We, we got, well, in Palma, we do not only have boats uh, with guests on board, but also we have two big shipyards and we have had some boats just getting ready for the season. So it's been two really busy months and we are starting to get every time more boats with with guests on board which is which is really good moreover after last year but yeah we i think that this year for the for the western med will be quite busier than it was last year i think that south of france uh, italy and the well, balearics and also spain will be busier than last year mostly because because of the restrictions um not letting lots of people coming in into europe that made them go go east and go to to Croatia, Turkey, and I think that after one year not being able to to come this way, this will be a, a busier year for us. Yeah, well, wonderful news, Jordi and Joe. Thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure <laughs> to have a visionary cruise around. <laughs> around the Balearics and, and Spain. I mean, I can imagine some of it from my small experience, but um, when I do get my super yacht and I'm trying to figure out where to go, I know who I'm going to call, <laughs> which is up on my vision board as well. So <laughs> staying optimistic, but you know what? It, it's great also to hear the optimism from, from you guys because it certainly was a, a lot more tenuous last year of, of how things are. So it's great to hear that things are really kind of ticking over and, and in some ways back to norm, if not busier than it normally would be. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Lovely. Well, I have been catching up with Jordi Nicolau and Joe Davison, who are both with Evolution Yacht Agents. And if you are planning a cruise and you need some guidance, you now know who to talk to. Thank you so much for joining us and tuning in. Stay well, stay safe wherever you are in the world. 
This is Super Yacht Radio. Radio. 